Welcome to the Speech Source Podcast. My name is Mary Brzeek. And I'm Kim Dillon. We are two pediatric speech-language pathologists with a combined 25 years of experience. We are your source for speech, language, feeding, play, and much more in between. Today on Friday Favorites, we are going to be talking about spoons. Actually, Mary's going to be talking about spoons. (laughs) I'm going to be listening and asking some questions, but... With Mary having so much knowledge with just feeding and swallowing and all, she has used all types of different spoons. She wants to talk today just about what to look for with spoons. So Mary, what do you have? (laughs) (laughs) What have I got? Okay. Let's talk about spoons. I know people probably don't get as excited about purchasing (laughs) spoons as I do, but I'm in this systematic, but... I wanted to talk about it because I actually do get this question a lot with my early feeders is there's so many things on the market now. And I mean, gosh, there's every time you turn around, there's some new gadget that's out that, you know, claims it's the best thing for your child and and will, you know, somehow help their development or feeding skills. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about what you're looking for when you when you go to purchase a spoon and what dimensions are best. I'm also going to do the same things about cups because I get this question a lot with cups or sippy cups and things like that. So I wanted to talk through my tips for how to buy a spoon and what kind of things you're looking for. So before I get started, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that you are sitting down at the table and you're going to have your cereal in the morning. And instead of placing the typical spoon that that you use for your cereal, I'm going to go to the kitchen and I'm going to come back with a large wooden spoon, the type that you would like make ground beef or vegetables or make anything with on the stove. How would you feel about eating your cereal with that kind of spoon? you'd probably not feel very good, right? Because it is totally the wrong scale for your body. Those type of spoons are not meant for you to eat from, right? So it's kind of the same with kids as well, is that if we present them with a spoon that is fit and scaled to our size, we might see that they feel uncomfortable or they start refusing to eat because it is uncomfortable. And we might see them do different kind of motor patterns because they're trying to compensate for this shape and size of a spoon that truly doesn't fit their mouth. So let's go through a few ways that when you're at the grocery store or shopping on Amazon, how are the ways that you can shop for a spoon and kind of match it and fit it to your child? So the first thing that you're going to look at when shopping for a spoon is going to be the the bowl width. So with young children, you're really looking for a narrow width. You're going to look at their little lip corners and you're going to size it roughly to that shape because when you put the spoon inside their mouth, what should happen is that that spoon should be an appropriate size to fully go on the tongue only and not go over the teeth. 
And it also shouldn't be pulling the lip corners back as it enters their mouth. So my first tip is going to be to shop for a spoon that is narrow in width that is the same width width of a child's mouth. The second thing that I look at with spoons is that you're going to be looking for a spoon that doesn't have a super deep scoop out of it. So that bowl is a lot more, is kind of has a gradual slope and it's not super deep. The reason for this is because when kids are learning to use a spoon, they don't have awesome coordination yet. And so what's supposed to happen is that spoon is going to be placed on the tongue and then the lower lips job is to stabilize the spoon. So it's supposed to just keep it in place as the upper lip removes whatever is on the spoon off of it. So it's supposed to scrape and remove. Well, that upper lip is doing all the work to remove things from the spoon. And so we don't want our kids to have to do double time to try to really, really move that upper lip to scoop out of the spoon. It's going to be so much easier for them if it is a lot shallower so that that upper lip doesn't have to work and go as hard. Because if it is a spoon that is too deep, The thing is, you're not going to see a kid just work harder. It's not going to achieve this result of, oh, well, if it's deeper, their lip will be able to move even more. That's actually not true. What you'll see is that they, you remove the spoon from their mouth, and then we've all seen it, the bottom of the spoon, there's still stuff stuck in that portion that was too deep. So if you see that in a spoon, that you're constantly removing it from your child's mouth, and there's still whatever you put on the spoon left at the bottom after bites, then that's a good indicator that it's really too deep for them. And then the third thing that I look for is the handle shape. So I really want to match the handle shape with the type of feeder that I have. So um, I'm so fortunate to have worked with a lot of OTs and OTs are going to work on fine motor skills and they work on kind of fine motor skills of the hands. Um, And it, and it really has, they've taught me a lot about the handle and what to look for. So whenever we think about eating from a spoon, there's so much that goes into it for a young feeder too. They have to be able to visualize the spoon open their mouth, anticipating the bite. And then if they're feeding themselves, they have to be able to bring that spoon all the way to their mouth without like with the right kind of kind of wrist stability where there's not this rotation that dumps the whole spoon and they have to be able to hold on to it well. And so the handle shape is something that's going to really change with age. When you have a young feeder, you want something that's kind of large enough to be able to hold it and stabilize it in your fingers. There's some beautiful modern spoons on the market that have these tiny, tiny little pencil thin ends or handles. But I mean, that is way too difficult for a young feeder to eat from. So you're really looking for a bulkier handle that kind of handle shape is really important for them. And then as your children are aging, 
you really have to continue thinking about their utensils and the like the shape and size of them until they do reach kind of those adulthood size of their mouth. So in other words, in elementary school, you still might have a child that is sized to use a much smaller spoon than a tablespoon that that you're looking at. Um, And so that can kind of plan a picky eating and some other things. You want your utensils to be a really good fit for your child's anatomy and what their size is. So the two spoons that I use all the time for little kids are going to be the original, everybody knows this in the therapy world, the maroon spoon. It's made by Arc. It has a great narrow, um, a narrow bowl. It's very shallow and it just, its handle is very simple. It's thick and it's just long. That's a really great one to use. And that handle is very well suited to an adult that would be feeding a young child. Um, and then they can use it themselves. The second one that I really like are going to be the munchkin spoons that are very, very small. It's a metal spoon, but then you see that the tip has this like um, cover on it that are various colors, but it's like this thick plastic. That's a really great first spoon as well. I really like those two a lot. There's tons of different plastic options of all different kinds of brands. I like a lot of them. You really just want to look again at those dimensions, that the width, how deep is the spoon and the handle shape. Um, And then Kim, I also came up with my absolutely not my nose to spoons. So the, the spoons that I do not recommend would be first that there is a spoon on each end. I don't know why they make spoons like this truly, but it's one utensil and there's a spoon on one side and a fork on the other, or it's a spoon and spoon. Don't do that. It's just going to be a hot, messy situation. Don't do, don't do the double spoon. And then it gets confusing and your child is trying to chew on one and eat on the other and turn it around mid bite. And yeah, so don't do double spoons, just bowl on one side, handle on the other. So that's my first no to a spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, my second no would be spoons that are really wide. There are lots of these on the market. This one's a little more subtle, but if it matches your mouth and how wide that is, it is too wide for your child. So it should not match like in width the cereal spoon or ice cream spoon, soup spoon that you use at home. So if it's too wide, don't get that kind of spoon. Um, The third thing that is a no for spoon are super narrow or modern handles. So handles that are going to be super skinny and long and that are kind of, I mean, metal that are hard to hold on to. Those are ones that I would not recommend either. And then lastly, spoons that are really heavy. I see this happen a lot with the handles is that you would think, oh, my my kid is young. Maybe I should have this big old handle. It's like a bulb on the end of it. Um, it almost is the shape of like a blind cover, you know, little, little covers that are on your blind cords at the bottom, those really bulby kind of ones. But those can get really heavy if it's 
not um, the right materials to make it kind of lightweight for a child. Those are the things that I would stay away from whenever you're buying a spoon. And in general, the reason that I wanted to do this episode on spoon buying too is because even the smallest things that we adjust in therapy can make a big impact on their feeding skills. Is at the end of the day, we truly want children to be set up for success. We want to A, have preventative care, right? In the sense that preventatively, we've chosen a spoon that's sized appropriately to their anatomy. And then secondly, once we've already set them up for success, then we can work with them or allow them to show us the correct motor patterns for feeding. And it's going to be easier and not inhibitive for them because again, it's appropriately sized and now their muscles can take over and do all the work that they need to do to eat. I hope this was helpful and um, shows a little bit of the why behind why do speech pathologists even have opinions on utensils? And this um, tells a little bit of why. So I think this is so great to hear because even with my kids and I had, you know, when I had a four-year gap almost, and then just not even a two-year gap. And then just in between and during that time, there are always so many more choices. And I think we have to remember that just like anything else, marketing is always involved in all of these products. And it's not always looking at the function and the purpose and the meaning for the utensil, but it can sometimes be like they're wanting to sell a product to really be able to think about what this thing is being used for and who it's being used for and what's needed is so helpful because we have to just remember there's a lot out there. There's a lot out there that probably isn't going to be great. And sometimes we just need the most simple things. So thank you for sharing that. It's, I know it's really overwhelming for everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and check out our website, thespeechsource.com. Also, check us out on Instagram for more ideas on speech, language, feeding, and play.